Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Week Den Update, your weekly dose of everything Grizzlies, presented by the Grizz Den Podcast and the Fans First Sports Network. I'm your host, Will Walker, and I'm joined every week by John Kraft. Happy New Year, John. How's it going? Uh, started off well. It's doing okay. It looks like uh, the, we got a little bit of reality check uh, towards the end of the year, but I'm really excited that 2023 is gone and that 2024 is here. The Grizzlies are 10-22. and 22. One in three since the last week didn't update. They're 13th in the West, 25th overall in the NBA. Five games back, excuse me, six games back from the 10 seed now. 30th in offense with 107.9 rating. 12th in defense with 114.4 rating. That's 26th overall with the negative 6.5 rating there. Uh, we'll start with who's up and who's down. My who's up is Luke Kennard. He had 17 points last night off the bench in only 19 minutes. It was his first game back. Uh, We have needed some offense in this lineup, to say the least, and he provided that uh, just his very first shot. Didn't even hit rim, um, and it's really nice to have him back. We'll talk a little bit more about personnel and different uh, rotations and things like that, but overall I would say having Luke Kennard in your lineup is a net positive overall. What's your who's up? Yeah, so my my who's up, uh, you know, debated it. Uh, you know, there might be some other things that I could talk about, but my who's up is Marcus Smart, uh, and that's really because our one win of the week. I really think he was uh, he kind of was the catalyst. Uh, hit a couple big threes um, in the third quarter that sort of propelled us and made some big plays uh, towards the end, um, and kind of that was like a Marcus Smart type uh, win. Uh, why we get him. And so he's my what's up for kind of coming back on that. I think there's some mix about us, some other stuff, but, uh, but as far as just um, him being a catalyst for our win this week, uh, he's my what's up this week. What about your who's down? (laughs) My who's down. Um, My who's down. uh, I've been thinking about trying to figure out which, how, which way I want to go with this, but I'll just say basically uh, Grizzlies without an a hundred percent jaw uh, is my who's down in the sense that uh, I'm I'm starting to get uh, like I I'm just getting frustrated that the fact that we we our roster is not so bad that we should be getting destroyed by teams if Jaw's not 100 percent healthy 
And, uh, you know, and I honestly still think our six and 19, that was, we probably should have been a little better. And I've tried, you know, anyway, I'm, I've, I think we've done a lot of giving the benefit of the doubt or roster, all these things. And maybe as we'll get going and losing notes and talk about it, um, that benefit of the doubt is gone now. Um, and I think at this point, uh, I'm very soberly looking at the Grizzlies and going to be pretty hypercritical, uh, in the sense that I think, there's no more excuses. And, and I think it's very different by the way, losing close games and then just getting blown off the floor where it's just where most of the fourth quarter is garbage time. And so, uh, so my who's down is just kind of the Grizzlies without jaw or honestly without jaw at a hundred percent, you know, continue to super disappoint. So. Yeah. My who's down is rebounding. Uh, The last two games in particular, Mm -hmm. uh, Desmond Bain led the team with seven. In, in the last two, and we also gave up 20-plus uh, to uh, Vita Subac, as well as DeMontis Sabonis, who also had a triple-double last night, by the way. They had over 20, each of them. And um, not only that, but we've had four total offensive rebounds in the last two games, and no. which have both, were both, in my opinion, winnable games. A shorthanded Clippers team, as well as a Kings team at home, uh, the second home game in John Morant's return, and was looking to be a good night after one quarter overall, but obviously things went downhill from there. So there's a lot we can talk about that's going wrong right now, but I would say rebounding is one area in particular that has been highlighted over the past couple of games. Yeah, definitely. And and I'd, I'd, I'd highlighted that tweet last night on at least my Twitter feed that the, the Grizzlies missed 52 field goals uh, last night and only got one offensive rebound. So it wasn't even like, oh, you know, we don't need to be upset about rebounding because there was a lot of shots made. No, there's plenty of rebounds to grab the last couple games, and we seem to not gra- be grabbing any of them. So very disappointing. Let's talk about the defense overall because in the last three games we've given up 142 points 117 points and 123 and so I just think it deserves a spot here in this lineup of what we're going to talk about let's talk about why the defense is suffering and I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this too John but to me when I when I look at this overall the thing I start with number one is scheme And if you look at the way that the Grizzlies play and the way that they've always played under Jenkins, there is a a drop coverage with the bigs when you're coming off of a pick and roll. And we've seen now how that has translated to opponents' shot dashboards. We're giving up 28.7 above the break threes per game, and that's field goals attempted. That's the second most. Ironically enough, the first... Uh, ranking in that list is Boston, who has the second-ranked defense overall. So it's not yeah. exactly a um, one-to-one on you know the more above-the-break threes you give up, the worse your defense is going to be because we see you know two very different results coming from that stat. But the difference is is that the opponents are shooting thirty-eight percent on those threes against us, and I. You know, everything's related when you get on a basketball court. You'll, I'll get to the offense and how that's affecting things in just a second. But I think against a team like the Kings last night, when you know that they're a heavy three-point shooting team, they have the personnel 
to kill you from that area if you let them. I just wish that we saw more adjustment in scheme on a night-to-night basis from Jenkins. I think the next point I want to make is about personnel because with John Morant back, you do, that is a defensive liability that now you have to work around on the floor. And so I do think, though, overall, it's safe to say that it's a trade-off that is in the positive. A fully healthy John Morant, who's not suffering from illness, we've seen what he can bring on the offensive end. And honestly, his defense hasn't been absolutely awful. He's gotten steals. He's, um, you know, anticipated passing lanes, things like that. And usually we can find somewhere to hide job. But overall, we're still missing some key personnel to our defensive scheme. And I think you... Uh, this goes back to Jenkins. I think you do have to be adaptable uh, on a night-to-night basis, especially when we have enough data. To me, I mean, early on in the season, I could have blamed a lot more of this on shooting luck because we were the most yeah. unlucky team in the league in three-point per percentage given up. But overall, that has, has actually normalized. We're not, we're no longer at the top spot. Um, honestly, teams are shooting. We're, we're in the, we're in the, top 10 in terms of in a positive way of of the field goal percentage that we give up on a night-to-night basis of course that wasn't the story this week the last thing i'll say before i want to get your thoughts just overall on the defense john is you know the offense is a key component of this when you're missing uh the amount of three-point shots that we are missing it leads to runouts it leads to easy buckets in transition i think that's a huge part of what's going on i looked it up we are seven and seven this year when we take 35 three-point attempts or less 35 is league average so it's not just a random number we're seven and seven we're three and 15 when we take more than 35 three-point attempts and so to me that that stat tells me a lot about how we operate offensively what our strengths and weaknesses are and I just wish that on a night like last night when the Kings are not exactly world beaters underneath like you need the Sabonis is not a great rim protector uh, they don't have a lot of defense if you can beat them off the perimeter instead we settled and obviously we couldn't get an offensive rebound or even even tried to get an offensive rebound right. which we covered earlier so I just think all those things this week were the story I mean just the scheme was so weak the lack of adjustment and just the offense and our shot profile has just led to um, really making you have to work perfectly on defense, which we weren't doing. Yeah. I mean, I think that's one of my frustrations like last night is that like you have a Keegan Murray and like a Lyles who literally all they do is stand and shoot threes. Like, you know, Murray's gained a little bit of stuff to his game a little bit, but honestly that's how they hurt you. Like that it's, you know, you contain uh, the Sabonis and Fox pick and roll, but everybody else just stands there and shoots threes. Harrison Barnes too. Like if those guys want to take you, try to take you off the dribble, um, I'm fine with that. Uh, but what I don't want is them getting just basically standstill threes, which it felt like that happened again and again and again. Uh, I've also not loved uh, sort of our strategy. I understand, like let's put Jaron on the worst shooter and let him roam a little bit more. But I think you can get away with that when the other forward is really good defensively. So I think we get away with that a little bit better uh, with Tillman in because he can kind of move his feet. And uh, he doesn't really protect the rim as well, but he stays in front of people. Uh, but but I've found that, uh, you know, going all the way back to the playoffs with Rui Hachimura, that like 
we we need to give some ounce of respect even to guys who are shooting 25 to 30 percent and i know you know and it's one of those things where it's like i want to have faith in the fact that we've had an elite defense the last two years uh playing this kind of scheme that jenkins runs but it's still it's it's frustrating in that uh, there seems to be a lack of kind of closeouts or just a little bit more just being okay with leaving guys wide open, uh, which I did, you know, and I could be wrong and you can maybe disagree. I mean, maybe you can, but point to me, like, I just think the last two years, we really didn't do that that much. I didn't feel like guys were getting just wide open threes, even if they were terrible shooters. And so I feel like there is a little bit of just, for whatever reason, it's like protect the rim at all costs. Um, when, when honestly, I don't mind people taking some rim shots in the sense that we have a lot of guys in there, long arms trying to block stuff. So it's a little weird. I would say another thing, uh, one other thing just to add to the defense, uh, that I think has been an issue is that, uh, we turn the ball over more on offense. And that's been one of my big concerns is losing Tyus, who obviously we always talk about has an unbelievable assist to turnover ratio. And so when Tyus is on there running, you know, those second quarter units and the second quarters have been an issue, you know, Tyus didn't turn the ball over. And so, you know, at the very least, we were just dealing with, uh, with missed shots. Similarly with Dylan Brooks, Dylan Brooks uh, misses a lot of shots as we've talked about, but on, but you know, missed shots are much easier to get back and set up your defense on than um, than turnovers. And one of the things is Marcus Smart, uh, he he turns the ball over, and and I think that's a concern. And then you combine that with all the roster turn, you know, uh, difference, the different rotations every night, the lack of continuity, um, and that's led to a lot of turnovers. And turnovers are really hard because turnovers don't allow offensive rebounds, but turnovers often allow other teams to get out on breaks and get wide open shots. And honestly get open looks uh, that get them going to where then maybe they're, they're taking more, uh, more guarded looks later, but they have their confidence up. So I see all those things as being kind of an issue in that, uh, that really came to the fore this week where we just, I feel like gave up a lot of open threes to a lot of teams and really paid the price for it. At this point, I think you're seeing a lot of Jenkins questioning, uh, mainly on Twitter slash X.com, which I don't always put a a (laughs) whole lot of stock into what's going on there when it comes to questioning coaches' decisions. Because I think what we often do is we look first at the result of what happened rather than the process. Uh, Overall, though, I would say at this point, I think you're going to see more and more criticism about this specific scheme and, you know, overall, to me, I wish we could separate the the six and 19 version of this team and the different coaching decisions that had to be made throughout that stretch stretch. Because to me, you're just I mean, I've made, I've used the analogy before, but you're basically trying to have a chef cook surf and turf, but you don't give them any steak or, or lobster. Uh, and you're just like, mm-hmm. what are we doing here? Um, and at the same time, you know. Post jaw return, I think you've seen both the um, the positives of the the Jenkins system, which lets guys play a bit more free. It trusts players a bit more, uh, and also you've seen a, a few really good defensive games overall. And we were trending upwards, but then on the on the flip side, you've seen what happens. And I'm not, you know, obviously jaw has not been completely healthy the last few games, but I don't think that. 
I don't think that's been the reason why we've the only reason why we've lost. And I think a lot of that does have to fall on the coach. It has to fall on the lack of uh, adaptability. And I'm just worried that we're going to look up and, you know, we're going to be using the same excuses, you know, 30 games from now that we're using now, which is, you know, when we play a team that is in the top 10 in three point percentage, it's going to be a lot harder for us to win. And I'm just kind of sick of, I'm kind of sick of that being the reality. And I think you're going to see a lot more people also get tired of that and wonder if it would be best overall from an organization standpoint to have a, a new scheme and a new voice. Again, I don't think any of this should come into question unless we have a, a playoff flame out, which if we even get to the playoffs in the first place, I think that's going to be a testament to Jenkins in a lot, in a large way. But at the same time, you know, how much can we, how much do you end up separating Jenkins out and attributing the team's success more to, you know, John Morant and health than we do the coach? Like, is it considered to be now a neutral proposition where Jenkins, you know, is above average, but he doesn't have what it takes to necessarily take this team over the top. I think more, I think time will tell, but I think it's also worth mentioning the frustration yeah. going on right now in particular with Jenkins. Yeah, I think, I mean, like for me, you know, yesterday was probably most of our complaints about him, you know, his desire to just play too many people, uh, his sort of tinkering with things, trying to, you know, kind of fill stuff out. Uh, because like, you know, he just like not playing Tillman and Roddy at all in the first half, but then playing both of them in the second half, um, you know, having Derek Rose come in. And again, this is where that's hard because we don't know everything going on in the locker room. We don't know what they're kind of thinking through. I, I do feel like the Derek Rose was sort of like, a, oh, let's go back to sort of the Tyus come, you know, coming in with a point guard, having this pure point guard run our second unit. Um, but I, at the same time, it's like, it obviously didn't work. Um, our second quarters have stayed terrible. Uh, you know, and it just seems like we're not like, he's not changing things so that it's less terrible. Uh, you know, and, and I'll say, uh, you know, even, and I've, you know, we probably would be having a very different conversation after the win at new Orleans, the second win at new Orleans, and we were four now with jaw feeling, you know, very high, but even then, you know, there is concern in the sense that of those four wins, you know, three of them, we had to come back, uh, from deficits. And the other one, we gave up like a 28 to two run to the Pacers. We just fortunately were up a lot, uh, when we gave up that run. And so there seems to be this sense of giving up these huge runs to teams and, and it does, and it, it does make me nervous because I don't think see things changing and and i've you know and like i i've said i'm you know i'm i'm wanting to say that we're we're four and three uh with jaw come back i i do want to recognize that jaw has not been fully healthy the last three games um and i want to say that you know you lose in the nba you're a good team when you destroy the bad teams and then you play 50 50 with all the good teams and and so like i will overlook these last three games that we've lost to good teams, all teams that I expect to be top five, top six uh, in the Western conference. Uh, but like, I will not overlook a, a Spurs loss or a Raptors loss. And, and honestly, I will not overlook going to LA and getting beat down again either. 
you know, and so, so these games coming up this week uh, are huge barometers for me on some of this stuff. And is, you know, Jenkins going to, going to basically decide I'm going to go with these eight, nine guys and I'm going to go with them and I'm not going to try to keep tinkering and shifting stuff around. And I'm just going to go with my best guys. You know, that's what I'm hoping to see because we played way too many people uh, against the Kings. And, and I mean, I, I appreciate that he was, that he did like go for away from his drop coverage and went more to kind of a switching coverage. And he was playing Marcus Smart at four. Like I'm okay with some of that tinkering, but it did feel a little bit more like kind of a panic move uh, than it did feel like, okay, this is like, they've, they're really prepared for this game and they've really thought it through you know, the process and all these things like that. And so I don't know. Uh, you know, I think that people are frustrated with Jenkins too, because he's, he sort of has had kind of a, like, you know, a, a, a very laid back demeanor the last, uh, this week. And that's, you know, and the hat glass half full in me guy wants to say, okay, he gets that they're sick. He gets, this wasn't their hundred percent. He think you know, he just sees that this is a crazy game where we just didn't have it and the Kings did. And so we get blown out. And so he's kind of just okay with that. Same thing with Denver. Like everybody loses their first game in Denver, uh, you know, and that he's just, that's the way he is. But I think what's hard is, you know, our record doesn't really allow for that. If we'd had a normal Grizzly season where we're like a few games over 500 right now and we have games like this, like I would be coming in and saying, yep, the Kings game, sort of a shot variance game. We just didn't have it, blah, blah, blah. But you can't do that when you're 10 and 22. You can't have that kind of attitude. And when it feels, it feels like we're not giving a level of effort that it seemed like we did in the past. And it felt like that we, you know, that we're kind of front runners and that when things are going well, we do well, but when they're not, we really struggle. And I think that's a lot on coaching, you know? And so then you look back to, to games like last year and I already brought up the playoffs, but then you look back to like the Christmas game last year where the Warriors didn't have Steph Curry and, and that's a big, you know, national game. And we go in and lay an egg and you see people like Jenkins showing up to his press conference in Christmas pajamas. And, and that's the kind of stuff that like at the time is cute. You overlook it. But like now when you get to a time when things are hard and things aren't going well, you look back and think, is that were those signs uh, that maybe Jenkins wasn't the guy, you know, I'm, I still like the big picture guy in me is like saying, you know, he took one of the youngest teams ever to a two seed two years ago. We had a, a crazy year last year and we still ended up a two seed. And so I still want to give him, you know, the season. I want to give him benefit of the doubt. I do love, like, the shots we get. I just hate the fact that the shots that we get are by guys that can't make them. Um, and I also understand that, you know, that we, we have a horrible record, but still, you know, we've slipped a little bit this week, but had a top 10 defense um, until this week. And so I don't know. I mean, it's, it is a hard, like, going back and forth on that. I don't know what you think of any of those things, but – uh, it's it's I definitely think from here forward it's going to be a lot on Jenkins. Yeah, I mean, there's the the analogy of a wartime general versus a peacetime general, and it feels a lot like right now. You know, Jenkins is really good at creating a a baseline, and I think that that's positive. Like, not a lot of coaches can instill a a culture and a system that we know works, and we've seen it work. It's just a matter of, you know, can you go out and execute? But the problem is, is when you start to get more data 
and you start to see, okay, are we sure that this is the correct system? I don't think we've seen him. We haven't seen the second version of Jenkins yet where he, you know, might learn something and, um, abandon an original plan to go with a brand new plan, which, you know, that's rare. There's only a few coaches in the league that I would, you know, like your Eric Spolstra or your Ty Lu, who are kind of known for just in real time processing and adjusting on the fly. And so I'm not asking something that's unrealistic, but I would like to see a bit more in terms of flexibility when it comes to how we play and not just play the game on a spreadsheet, which oftentimes it feels like that's what's happening. And, you know, if you roll the dice X number of times, then it's going to regress. And so if they're seeing something where it's like, okay, you know, we're going to give up a few games here and there and it's going to be frustrating, but trust the process, you know, the, I think we're getting to a point where, we are going to have to see results in order to then trust the process. And when I say results, I mean, you know, postseason, which unfortunately, I don't know if we're going to get that chance this year. I don't think that a, a change is going to be needed until we right. see another full season and we have relatively normal health. So I, I'm not I'm not sitting here saying that he should be on the hot seat whatsoever. I just think that it's worth mentioning that he has not been perfect. and. We need yeah. it's it has not been a competitive advantage for us. I think that's my point. It's more been a sort of a an independent variable and it's just hasn't he hasn't been affecting the game as much as I would want a coach when the chips are down and you see, you know, a heat team where they're they're guys they can literally play anyone and it feels like they're gonna be in a game. And so that's what I want from the Grizzlies team. And we had it. I mean, we had it in a couple of years there, and it's just depth matters and I, I'm just, we'll see. And as, uh, you know, part of what's so frustrating, I know probably for Jenkins and, and for me at least I know is that I look and when I look at what we're missing and what is the, the thing that ails us the most to keep us from being the great team that we were the last two years and literally Steven Adams and Brandon Clark bring all of the stuff to the table that we need. Uh, it feels like, you know, and, and I know that there'd be some guys back the roster that we wish were a little better, um, but obviously now getting Kennard back and healthy, having Marcus Smart back, uh, you know, and having sort of the healthy roster. And I just look at a game like last night and it's just what would have been different if instead of getting one offensive rebound, we got like 20 offensive rebounds. And what would be different if we had a Brandon Clark coming in, uh, you know, basically to lead our bench units um, at the forward position to allow Jaron to play kind of in a different way and, and honestly to close at times uh, if we need and we can switch all five positions. And the, just not having the two of them or having two players of their skill level is just, it's just it just really sucks. Um, and, and I think that's what's so hard too is you, and, and kind of makes me try to figure out with Jenkins is like, has he not been able to adjust away from not having those guys? are we just in a holding pattern until we either get some bigs with skill sets uh, that are like them or basically bring something different to the table? I don't know, but that's just, that's one of the biggest things is that like we have, we have jaw who rebounds well for a guard and Bane who rebounds well for a guard, uh, you know, and, but that's it. Marcus smart and Jaron do not rebound well. And, and it's going to be a big issue if we don't have 
another forward who rebounds really well. We got to have a rebounder. And unfortunately, our two best forward rebounders are both, you know, out for the season. Maybe Brandon Clark comes back late in the season. I don't know. But I just that's just a really hard thing to overcome and try to play the kind of way we have the last two years. Yeah, I agree. Let's move on to the need to know for this week. We play at home against the Spurs on Tuesday night, 7 p.m. We have a back-to-back, play the Raptors at home uh, the next night on Wednesday at 7 p.m. We then travel to L.A. for a Friday night, 9 p.m. game. And then we have the Suns on Sunday at 7 p.m. after that. To me, when I look at this week, I see two very, very winnable, honestly must-win type games at this point in the season. I'd say must-win. Yeah. Must-wins. Even though it's a back-to-back, like we don't have the excuse anymore. I'm hoping that this, whatever illness is plaguing the team, I'm hoping this weekend it's purged. And then we have a game against the Lakers, which honestly, they haven't been playing great at all since the in-season tournament. They are vulnerable, and you've seen some of their lack of depth really show. And then you have a team like the Suns who are also struggling. And both of these, I mean, the Suns in particular are a team that we are chasing. And, you know, Kevin Durant, I just got the notification, like he's going to be out again tonight. They just have not had their full complement, which is why you and I uh, shorted them to start the season. And that's looking really good right now. Uh, But what are you looking at when you're looking across this week? Yeah, I mean, uh, like, and and I do want to say, I mean, one of the glass half full takes here is just, uh, this has been a brutal schedule uh, as far as, you know, like if we were in a normal Grizzlies year, uh, you and I would be talking about schedule losses everywhere because we basically are not getting two days off anywhere since Christmas. We're having two, we're playing back to backs and then one game and then another game. And so we have just played, we're going to end up playing something like eight games in 10 days or something crazy, like, like eight games in I think like 12 days, which is just crazy. And so there is that sense uh, that's, you know, looking back at last week. But unfortunately, there's no time, uh, you know, to sit and whine about that because the Spurs and the Raptors now, they just trade away OG. They're going to be trying to figure out what they are. They're, you know, everybody on their team thinks they're getting traded, uh, even though that's a back to back. Uh, both of those should be easy wins. Like, honestly, I'm not even, you know, obviously we'll come out. I'll just take a win at this point in the season. But this is where, you know, all our criticism of Jenkins and other things, like I would like to see just a, you know, from beginning of the game to end, uh, a win where we're up, we're up, you know, 10 points early and we just maintain that. Both these teams, I think, should be easy wins for us. I don't think they will be just because I haven't seen that yet this season. But that's what I'm hope looking for against the Spurs, who, again, we beat um, in our 16 and 19 selves. We were able to beat them. And then the Raptors, like I said, are a mess right now. We should easily be able to beat them. And then, like you said, we have the Lakers and the Suns, who, honestly, we owe the Suns because we, we should not. That team is so bad. We should not lose all four games to the Suns. And so we've already lost to them. Uh, every time and so I should expect us to really be competitive in that Suns game and same thing with the Lakers this was the team that put us out of the playoffs last year we should come in with a huge chip on our shoulder and so like I I really if if we don't come away with excellent efforts in all four of these games I think uh, you know maybe maybe we'll say we've had a negative toad this week then like I feel like it's going to be a very 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 deeply concerned 
a weekend pod next week if if we don't look really competitive in all four of these games and and honestly go at least at the very least two and two um hopefully three and one this is an all eyes on Jaron week for me um you see Victor Wimanyama who's the marquee player on the Spurs and he is I mean Jaron is a good corollary for what Wimanyama is so we're going to see that matchup Jakob Pertl is uh the center for the Raptors and you know he's he's the he's the Steven Adams for them and so we're going to see how we match up against him watch out for a jaw dunk by the way against Jakob he enjoys doing that from time he to does. time but really the game I'm circling to see how Jaron plays is this Lakers game Anthony Davis yep. has completely had his number and it's felt as if Jaron honestly has just sort of taken the the beta way out in that game just to not mince yeah. words there and so I'm I'm looking for Jaron to come out take on the challenge you're gonna have a easier game against the Suns after that Lakers game. And so look forward to that, but I really need Jaron to circle this on the calendar and I'm going to be watching him very closely this week to see how he's been playing. He, he played great, um, you know, earlier in the week, kind of struggled in the last couple. Everybody did though. So I'm looking for a bounce back specifically from him. No, no, I think that's, I think that's a good word. I think, I think that's, it is, and that's kind of, you know, the way I feel like the whole team with the Suns, like it just, this is, um, this is the time where the Grizzlies need to show me something. Like show me that they're still this team that I fell in love with two years ago. Uh, like show me that's there, this confidence, uh, this brashness uh, that like went into LA and talked their talk. Well, last time, three times we've been to LA, uh, you, they've gotten beat badly. And so I just, you know, I want them to come with some really good effort. Yep. Um, let's move on to MVP of the week. My MVP of the week is Marcus Smart. Just for that one win that we had, I felt as if he was the primary initiator. And obviously, Ja had a great game, but on the defensive end and the offensive end, scoring all 13 of his points in the fourth quarter and overtime, he just he brought it. He shot well from three as well, which was huge. And then he had, of course, the steal against Brandon Ingram, the charge taken on Zion, and then throw in the alley oop to John Morant. And it was just his first. It was his first game back after a long absence. And I just absolutely adore Marcus Smart and everything that he brings. I joke that I die for Marcus just every because I know he'd die for the Grizz. And I that's that's all I want in a player. And even just a couple of hustle plays here and there in games, you can tell that he's just yeah, he's not gonna be the the greatest shooter on the planet. He might honestly be a liability at times in that respect, but overall you can never question that he's gonna do everything he can to win a game. And oftentimes he's gonna we've already seen him making clutch plays that turn into wins. And so he gets my MVP of the week this week in a very, very uh tough week for for mvp yes. considerations well and th that's what makes it funny because obviously he was my what's up so i i had debated whether to make him my mvp or my what's up but i, I went with what's up for him and and hilariously after just calling out jaron um i'm going to make jaron my mvp and it's basically for the same reason i also don't think he had an amazing week uh but if you look at that pelicans win uh, i feel like uh you know looking over honestly he always brings it on defense for me and so that's like he has this kind of 
a floor that is a high level for me on the defensive end. Like he's always bringing it. And he, I never worry about him not caring. He seemed to care all week, uh, despite not having an amazing week. But the biggest thing was the, the one win we had, uh, I thought he played really great, had some key buckets when we needed it. And more than that, uh, I really reward a guy uh, when he misses a free throw. And instead of hanging his head, he went out and dominated in the overtime uh, with with two big buckets and was confident, called for the ball. And, uh, you know, and especially in a matchup where you have like a Zion and a JV and guys who in the past have gotten him in foul trouble and given him a problem. And so because of that, um, but like you said, this is probably the weakest MVP week of the year, probably. But uh, but I'm going to give it to Jaron. Let's look at our next 10 game prediction before we end our pod with our New Year's resolution for the Grizzlies. Um, notably, we we did have a a cross into the next 10 game prediction in the middle of last week. So the Clippers game was the first of the next 10 that we're going to be predicting here. Uh, I'll just be honest with you, John. I had one and one and it <laughs> predicted in this Clippers Kings set. And after that, I had what amounted to six and four as my prediction. Now we've already lost one of those wins. So if I had a redo, I would have probably said five and five, but I'll stick with my original prediction of six and four that I had written down prior to the Clippers game. What about you? So I also went six and four and uh, in my fashion, I went six and four, even though I wanted to go seven and three, because I just was like, I'm tired of over predicting. Like I want the Grizzlies to exceed my expectations for 10 games. Um, and so I went one under what I thought. So I'm hoping that, that maybe that is that six and four is the right thing because I also had one on one, one and one uh, in these two games and we're obviously zero and two. So I'm hopefully maybe we'll pick up a game that I wasn't expecting us to get, or maybe even just my confidence that we're going to play differently with jaw will come through and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll look much better these next few games. Now that hopefully the team is getting over the flu or whatever they had now that we have a full roster back. And, and I think, you know, uh, despite the Lakers and the Suns names on the jerseys, I think, I think four winnable games, I think two must wins, uh, these next two, but then four winnable games this week. All right, let's end the pod here. We had a, a New Year's resolution we wanted to put on the Grizzlies and just to say what should they be resolving for in 2024. John, I will let you start. Yeah, so, I mean, I feel like, you know, everybody looking back, you know, when everybody was like so ready to get 2020 over, uh, you know, and, and all the jokes about 2020 was the worst year ever. Um, because of COVID and everything like that. Well, it's hard for me to find 2023 being, as far as expectations, a worse Grizzlies year. Um, obviously, still some really good memories in 2023, but this is not, but the year did not end like we expected, and the year definitely did not begin. Uh, I mean, the, this season did not begin as we expected. And so, uh, my big hope for 2024 is just that the Grizzlies get their swagger back, that, that, that the culture that we had, the fun, that 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 returns that the confidence that there that we can beat any team that walks into our gym especially I mean the home record this year has this fall has been ridiculous uh, that that we protect our home floor and that we're going to go into your your stadium your floor and we're gonna we're gonna win those two and just to have a swagger about us to where teams actually fear us again 
just that is what I'm hoping for. Just that we get our swagger back that just kind of, and that goes, you know, exactly what you were talking about with Jaron against, against Anthony Davis. And just that the, the team, the, you know, just team wide collective swagger um, is what I want to see in 2024. The resolution that I want to bestow upon the Grizzlies from top to bottom is to embrace the now. I think for a long time, especially the last couple of years in particular, we have been building and rebuilding. We've been taking a lot of shots at young development. And I think this is the time to embrace what we have right now. That doesn't necessarily mean I want to stick with the team we have. In fact, it means the opposite. I want us to acknowledge (laughs) who we know will not work out, and if they do work out, is just marginal upside. And I want us to embrace what we have in our top six or seven players and do what we can to build around them. Notably, we we have not used our mid-level exception this year, which we have the full amount of. Moves like that that I know are partially financial decisions where we're looking ahead to 24-25, this team is already in the tax, if nothing changed, I think you're going to see a team that pays the tax, which is good. Teams that win championships pay the tax because it means they have talent worth investing in. And I'm ready to, you know, not necessarily, I'm not saying be rash, but let's embrace our core because you never know when the window is going to be open. And if you look down the West, Really, there are only two or maybe three teams that I could see being a long-term threat for the Grizzlies, which are the Oklahoma City Thunder, the Denver Nuggets, and maybe the Timberwolves, but really they're close to uh, a point where they're going to have to change something about their financial structure. Yeah, and they that have could... to make some major, major shifts. But overall, I'm not seeing any young teams that I'm scared of. I'm seeing a lot of old teams that are about to age out of uh, their you know, being at the elite tier of the West. And I think the Grizzlies are primed and ready if we make the wise decisions to embrace where we are in the next two to three years, even though our core is young, that's just uh, icing on the cake, in my opinion. We need to treat this team as if it is entering its championship window next season, and we need to embrace the now. And if we don't do that, then I will be heavily critical starting with Robert Para and down the organization if we don't uh, do what we can to uh, get as as good as we can right now. It's time. God, totally. I, I love that resolution. I completely agree. This has been another edition of the Weekden Update. John, thanks for joining us. This is going to uh, be the very first podcast of 2024. Hopefully many more to come. So for John, I'm Will. Thanks for joining us. We will talk to you next week then.